Well, so now we are continuing in our series, our Advent series in the Gospel of Matthew. And we come to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So I ask you that you please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Hear now the eternal living word of God. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. So there's a common story theme that is used in fiction of the return of a rightful king. It's the idea where the heir to the throne is absent and someone else is ruling his people instead. One of the more famous examples is King Richard in England. His younger brother tried to usurp his throne while he was away fighting the Crusades. And this happened in history. But it's extremely popular in British literature as well. It's widely known from the story of Robin Hood. And the phony King of England, King Richard's brother, was only in power until King Richard, the rightful ruler, could return and regain his throne. There's another example in The Lord of the Rings, uh, character Aragorn. He's absent from the throne, but there's a time, in time, the rightful ruler is crowned as king. Now, the birth of Jesus takes place during a time when God's people, the people of Israel, had no king of their own on the throne. It was a time when the Romans ruled over them in their own land. And and the Romans ruled the Israelites through their puppet king that they had installed, Herod the Great. And, And the Roman Senate had actually declared Herod the king of the Jews. But little did King Herod know that the rightful 
ruler, the rightful king of the Jews, the king of kings, would be born. Not in a palace in Jerusalem, but in a humble stable in a little town of Bethlehem. And so from our passage this morning, we'll see three aspects of the kingship of Jesus. First, it's the fulfillment of the prophecies. Second, he is the rightful ruler of God's people. And third, he is a light to the Gentiles. He is the fulfillment of the prophecies, the rightful ruler of God's people, and a light to the Gentiles. So chapter 2 begins with Mark setting the context immediately after the birth of Christ. He says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. So now Mark is telling us what happened after Jesus was born. He tells us that he was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and that this was during the time of Herod, that Herod was the king of Judea. And so this puppet king that was installed by the Romans over the Jewish people. Now during this time, Matthew writes, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so these wise men, or, or the word is magi, came from the east to Jerusalem. And they were asking where they could find the one who has been born the king of the Jews. These would have been representatives sent by a king or, or respective kings. And they've come to search for this baby king and worship him. They say they knew by a star. And so they arrived in Jerusalem asking to see this child. And Herod gets knowledge of this and, and we see his response starting in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so Herod's in a panic. He, he's troubled by what he heard. He's nervous that the Messiah, the real king of the Jews, has arrived. And there's been a lot of questions. Why does it say all Jerusalem with him? Well, most likely because Herod, Herod was a cruel and violent tyrant. The people would fear a reaction if he was troubled. If he was scared, that would mean trouble for them. And so Herod assembles all the chief priests and scribes to ask them, where do the scriptures say that the Messiah or the Christ was to be born? And so they respond in verse 5. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so the chief priests and scribes respond with a, a prophecy about the Messiah from, from Micah chapter 5. And this was foretelling that the Messiah, the Christ, will be born in Bethlehem. And so Matthew is giving an explanation here of how Jesus of Nazareth could possibly be the Messiah. Because this was a well-known Old Testament prophecy, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. We can see this here because Herod asked them where the Messiah, where the Christ was to be born, and the chief priests and scribes immediately know. And Luke gives a little more details about how this comes about in his account. He says there was a census called by Caesar Augustus, 
where every man had to return to his hometown to be registered with his family. And so Joseph had to leave Nazareth with Mary, who was pregnant at the time, and return home to Bethlehem for the census. And while they were in Bethlehem to be registered, it was then that Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. Now, I doubt anyone would have expected that this is how the, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It would seem like us as random chance, but God is in control of everything. His plan to bring about his Messiah or his Christ being born in Bethlehem will happen on his terms. It'll happen the way he plans it because he is in control of all the circumstances. We see God's sovereignty in about just the little details about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And God foretold many things about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfills all of them. And this is the first aspect of the kingship of Jesus this morning. It's the fulfillment of the prophecies. God brought Jesus into the world, fulfilling all the things that he had promised about him. Specifically here, being born in Bethlehem. And a few weeks ago, we, we looked at the genealogy and talked about Jesus fulfilling the promises God made to Abraham and to David, the promise of the new covenant. But he also fills all, fulfills all these predictions that were made about the Messiah. Last week, we mentioned the virgin birth and that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And there are so many things that Jesus fulfills from the Old Testament. There are many aspects of the Messiah that people didn't expect that Jesus brought about. Many people expected a Messiah that would be just like King David. They expected this new Christ to lead a great army like David and defeat all of their enemies on earth. And in the first century, this would have included Herod and the Romans. But Jesus came to defeat different enemies. He came to defeat the enemies of sin, death, Satan, and evil. But there were many things that people believed about the Messiah that were accurate. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. God brought about Jesus exactly the way he had planned all along. The way he had revealed to his people through the prophets. Jesus was born in the place God had planned for him through the circumstances that God had brought about in the time period that God had planned. There were no accidents in this. God brought Jesus into Bethlehem during the time of King Herod, fulfilling all that he had promised. But Herod isn't happy that the Christ, the Messiah, has come into the world. He fears his own position now. So starting in verse 7, you see, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained for them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. As we know, this story as it unfolds, that Herod has no intention of worshiping Jesus. He plans to kill him. Even Herod knows that the true king of Israel has been born. Matthew is pointing out a contrast between Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the true king that God has installed himself to rule over his people, and Herod, a puppet king installed by the Romans to rule over God's people on their behalf. 
And so this is our second aspect of the kingship of Jesus, that he is the rightful ruler of God's people. Jesus came into the world at exactly the time that God had planned for him. When the Romans were ruling, they were using Herod to rule over the Jews. They even proclaimed him as king of the Jews. And this wasn't a coincidence. God had planned it all along. After God had punished his people by removing them from their land in the exile, they were returned to the land. But there still wasn't a son of David on the throne. They now had to suffer under oppression of the Romans, under the vicious hand of the tyrant, Herod. And God's people could rejoice now in that the rightful ruler that God has promised has finally arrived. Years of oppression through exile and upon their return, they still didn't have their king. Then the Romans conquered them. They humiliate them by installing Herod. But now the king is born. Now the rightful ruler, God's anointed king, God's Christ, has arrived. And he will rule as promised in righteousness, in peace, for eternity. And so for us, we also suffer in this world. Politically, human leaders always let us down. Sometimes, devastatingly so. As Americans, you see erosions of your freedoms in this country, but more importantly, as the church, you can see the decline of Christ in our culture. You see the decline of faith as less and less people truly believe in Christ. And you see the rise of secularism and, and people who reject religion altogether and therefore reject Christ. And this notion is popular in our culture. Prominent public figures openly denounce God, they denounce Christ, they treat belief in Jesus as, as something foolish. And just as the people of Israel waited in their suffering, they waited for God to bring about the rightful ruler. They waited for the birth of their king with an expectant hope. There was a remnant that held on to faith in that God would fulfill his promises as he predicted. Our hope lies in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But our future hope is awaiting his return. No matter what has happened in this world, no matter how bad things may get, God will fulfill his promises. One day Christ will return. And that is the hope that you hold on to, faithfully awaiting the return of Christ, knowing that the true king will return. Jesus is the rightful ruler, not only of God's people, but the whole universe. And so as the nations and leaders of this world rise and fall, as a culture of this world repeatedly falls away from Christ, you can wait with hope in your difficulties, in your suffering, that just as God fulfilled his promise to send a king to save and rule over his people, he will faithfully fulfill his promise that Christ will return. And upon his return, he will make all things new. You will be raised up and fully glorified. You will be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the final judgment. You will be made perfectly blessed in the full enjoyment of God for all eternity. And so knowing this and holding on to these promises, holding on to this truth of the return of our king in glory can sustain you through increasing difficulty and suffering in this world. 
But the request of Herod is not the end of the story. We see the response of the wise men starting in verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so the wise men left from Herod, and again they saw the star, and this led them to Christ. And they, they rejoiced exceedingly, it says, with great joy, knowing that they were going to find this child, this baby king. They were overcome with great joy. And when they found him, he was with Mary. And it says they fell down and worshipped him. What's interesting, as I've mentioned before, Matthew wrote to a primarily Jewish audience. But in his gospel, the first people to worship the Christ are the wise men. They're Gentiles, non-Jews. Gentiles who came from afar on a journey to find this newborn baby king, born king of the Jews. Matthew is foreshadowing here the inclusion of the Gentiles that Jesus brings. And so this is our third aspect of the kingship of Jesus. He is a light to the Gentiles. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, is not only the king of the Jews, he is the king of God's people. And he finally fulfills God's promise to bring the nations to himself. Jesus is born the king who will bless people of all nations. And every year, people all over the world celebrate the birth of Christ. The people of God have been reoriented around this child. This Christ and those who believe in him are adopted as children of God. This child breaks down the barriers between Jews and Gentiles. He is the light to those who were outside the people of God and he provides a way of salvation to all people. As God has promised, he brought salvation to people everywhere out of Israel. And Paul makes the same universal proclamation in Romans 1. But he says the gospel is the power of, or power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Jesus Christ saves people from every nation, from every race and ethnicity, from every socioeconomic status, from every time period in history. Salvation is for all who believe in God's Savior. And so the wise men, in celebration of this first ever Christmas, give us a positive example. They came to find Jesus and offer to him their treasure, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, Christmas can often become about getting gifts and giving gifts to each other, which is good. It's enjoyable. But how much do we focus on giving to Christ, giving to God, giving our time, our talent, our treasure to him, giving of ourselves and our resources. So as you celebrate the birth of Christ, remember he is the king of your salvation. He brings people of all nations, tribes, and tongues into the people of God, including you. And so you can worship him as the wise men did. They journeyed to see him. They brought him expensive gifts. 
God sovereignly brings whoever he chooses to himself. And he brought you to him. And he did so you so you can worship him. So you can worship his son. This is what Christmas is about. Worshiping the king. Worshiping the Christ. Giving ourselves to him. And it's our duty to proclaim this king to the world. It's our duty to shine the light of Christ to the nations by proclaiming the gospel, by living with changed lives in this world, by preaching and teaching the word of God and living with the love of God in our hearts. And so Christmas is a time to enjoy the wonders that God has given us. And there are so many great things about this time of year, especially in the church. But Christ is the center. You should be drawn to Christ, want to give yourself to Christ, want to proclaim Christ because he is the fulfillment of everything God has promised, of everything God has done in history of the entire Old Testament. He is the true king of the Jews, the true king of God's people, the true king of this world. So no matter what empire in the world is on top, no matter who wins the next presidential election, Jesus is the rightful ruler of the universe. You are to submit to him, to love him and obey him. He is the king of your life, the king of your redemption, the king of your salvation. And he deserves full allegiance, full devotion. God brought you on your journey to Christ and he did so that you would worship him. You were made to worship and glorify God and enjoy him forever. And you are to bring the light of Christ to those who don't know him, those around you, proclaiming this gospel of salvation, living with the light and love of Christ in your heart. And God will bring whomever he chooses, but he can use you to do it. He can use you as a tool for his salvation through the power of his gospel. And that's by speaking the gospel to others and loving them with the love of Christ. The wise men had their journey to Christ as we all have our journey to Christ. Every one of you has a journey to Jesus Christ that God has brought you on. And you can share that journey with others that they too can come to know the rightful king as their own king. That they too can know the king of glory, Jesus Christ, so that they too can await his return with full assurance and hope that he will return. And when he does... He will make everything right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we gather this morning, Lord, to, to praise you for the sending of your Son into this world, for sending your King of glory to rule in righteousness and peace. We praise you that you have drawn us to yourself, that you have brought us in this journey of faith, that we are here, in your name, gathered to worship you and glorify you. Lord, we ask that you continue to draw us to yourselves, that your light may shine in us as individuals and us collectively as your church, that we would be a beacon of hope in our community, holding on to the hope that is Jesus Christ, the only hope we have in this world. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.